This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. It's because I made the window so small I'd lost it. Right. Okay, here we go. So you are listening to today's episode, presumably because you have a product to sell or maybe you will do soon. For people to buy your products, they need to be able to find it. Today's guest, Maddie Jones, helps awesome women grow their businesses by being more visible. She's going to share what she does and what you can do to help people find your products and your services if that applies more easily. So hi, Maddie. Thank you for being here. Hello. Hi, Vicky. Nice to uh, nice to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on this brilliant podcast. Super excited to have a chat. <laughs> yeah, me too. So can we start, please, by um, giving us an introduction to yourself, your business and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Maddie Jones. I'm usually known as Maddie Shine because that's my Instagram name. Lots of people think that's my actual surname. One day I might change it by Deepol. Who knows? <laughs> but basically, I am known as the SEO and visibility queen. Um, it's a title I gladly accept. Um, but I absolutely love helping small businesses get found online. That's essentially what I do. Yeah. Amazing. Thank <laughs> you. So let's start right at, um, with the basics can you tell us what SEO is in really simple terms I mean I'm sure most of us have have heard of SEO before but um, I think it's still a good place to start absolutely so I'm sure that when many people see the letters SEO they're filled with a cold dread like no other suddenly they're thrown back into maths class at school and they're thinking oh lord I don't know where on earth to begin well in really simple terms SEO stands for search engine optimization and it's all about being seen more online everyone wants to get to page one of google because let's face it who clicks through to page two when you google anything at all and so basically what i do is i help people figure out what they want people what they want to be found on page one of google for because most people don't know so that's that's the fun bit that's kind of figuring out what your business is about and how you can be seen by more people Amazing. Thank you. So that's basically thinking about if someone were to go to Google and type something in, what would they need to type for you to come up, you at your products or your service? Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, there isn't just one thing that your business is. There wasn't just one thing that your business sells. You sell a multitude of different products. You have different product ranges that meet different people's needs, different people's wishes and desires and all these wonderful things that you all sell. But most people kind of try and box themselves in, put all their eggs in one basket. And what I try and do is actually help open all of that up. And so what I say is SEO stands for seeking exciting opportunities. Because in my book, 
the internet is full of, un, of limitless opportunities and it's up to us to actually make use of that. Oh, I like that. And I, and I agree. I think even if you are only selling the one product, there, there probably are different, you know, there might be different people looking for that different product for different reasons, or even if Absolutely. it's the same person, you know, um, they might have different, like, for example, I sell swaddle blankets, but some people might be use, looking for something to cover their baby in the pram, or some people might be looking, you know, they might not be looking for, them for swaddling is what I'm trying to get yes, at. Exactly. Exactly. They might not know that word yet, or they might be calling it something completely different, or it might be a cultural difference. The thing is, we can't assume that everyone thinks and talks like us. And so one of the uh, sort of fun little games in SEO is figuring out what else do people call what we sell? And also there are different variations. There are different colors. There are different sizes, no doubt. You know, all this kind of thing that we also underestimate the importance of when we're thinking about how to be seen by all those wonderful people waiting with their wallets to buy from us. So how would you go about working out what, what, I mean, I'm, I'm going to call these keywords. Um, I don't know if you use yeah. a different phrase. So I'm going to, I'm going to use keywords. How would you go about knowing what keywords you should be using um, on your website, on your social copy, wherever? Well, this is, this, is the, this is a fantastic question because a lot of people, they kind of go, okay, well, okay, so let's use the swaddle blankets example. Right, I call them swaddle blankets, therefore I'm gonna stick the word swaddle and blankets all over my website and then hope that I'll get to page one of Google, position one um, for swaddle blankets. Well, that might be all very well and good and you might actually see a great surge. You might actually see you would get to page one, but you wouldn't necessarily stay there. And so what we need to do is actually think about what else are people using these blankets for? How else would they describe them? What kind of variations, like I was just mentioning, with the colors and the sizes and whatever, and the uses of these swaddle blankets? And so this is what we actually need to start brainstorming. We need to start thinking, okay, what are the different variations? And the longer the phrase, the more likely you are to get to page one, to be honest. However, the longer the phrase, you also reduce the size of the potential audience. So this is why it's great to spread your bets, if you like, you know, and not put your eggs in one basket. And so you can have a whole list of different phrases, different combinations. So for example, if, if it was geographically dependent, your product, so you only deliver to a certain area. You know, I work with a lot of florists, so they're delivering, you know, dried flower arrangements right now, wreaths, you know, things like this. And so what we're looking at is the geographic words as well. So basically you need to think about, okay, not just the different variations and the sizes and the different ways that people describe it, but also the different locations you want to deliver to. And so when people are Googling, wherever they're based, then Google's gonna say, ah, they're also based in London. I'm gonna show more London results, or I'm also based in this tiny little village out in the middle of you know, rural um, England then I, yeah, great. So they're, they're only within a mile of me. So this is where we start with knowing what our keywords are. And then we can actually get to the fun bit with actually adding them onto the website. So would you literally start by just almost brainstorming all of the keywords you believe? Exactly. Be exactly. But it's important to realize that it's never a single word. It's at least two words in that phrase because that's what a lot of people get tripped up on they, th they think they hear the word keywords and they think oh it's just one word so it's just swaddle and blankets but actually it's important to put those phrases together so for example blue swaddle blankets for newborns or you know blue swaddle blankets 
for prams, whatever it might be. And so actually, like I said, like the, the longer the phrase, the more likely you are to get seen on page one and the more likely you are to be more visible. And is there anywhere you can go or any tools you can use online to help with this? Because what I'm thinking is, so say, for example, using my example, I decided I was going to go all out on swaddle blankets, but mm. I might be the only person who uses swaddle blankets. And it might be that my customers use completely different words, or it might be that I could get to page one for swaddle blankets, but actually not many people search for that. Yes. So is there anything you can do to kind of sense check what you're thinking? Um, yeah, any tools you can you can use to get an idea of the kinds of traffic you'd be looking at? Absolutely. So it's important then once you've done all that brainstorming to actually then see, OK, what are, what are people actually using? And there's so many different tools and apps that you can use to see how many people on average per month are using this phrase in, you know, in Google, basically. But the app that, well, the tool that I really like to use, because it's really low cost, there are loads of expensive ones, um, but you know, we're small businesses, so we like to keep costs low. And so the one that I like to recommend is Keywords Everywhere. And it works like a Chrome browser extension. So you can have it right there in Chrome, whenever you're using the internet. And then essentially when you test all these different phrases, it will come up with an approximate search volume. Now it's not massively accurate, it's simply an indication. It's simply like, oh, okay, so 2000 people a month are searching for that, but only two, 200 maybe are searching for something else that you actually thought might be quite popular. However, this is why I suggest doing all the brainstorming work first, because of course, the longer the phrase, the less people are gonna be searching for it anyway. But if you know that you really wanna do a push on say blue swaddle blankets, as opposed to any other color, then it's important for you to work on the SEO for that product range that you really want to push. And so this is where people sort of get hung up on the tools rather than the brainstorming work. So this is why I say it's kind of like a two-part thing. But sure. Keywords Everywhere is the one that I would recommend. Thank you. And I will link to that in the show words. Okay, so brainstorm first, then go and use a tool and, and see. Yeah. And I guess using the tool, you might also get some other ideas to add to your brainstorm, but you think exactly. you should do the work first. Exactly. Okay. So the great thing about Keywords Everywhere is that in Google, then it will actually give you a list down the side of other phrases, similar phrases that people are also searching for. So it's really, really useful tool. So we're going to do all this work and end up with a list of phrases and keywords. Yes. How many is too many or is there such a thing as too many, bearing in mind that we actually want to be able to use these and I guess we also want to use them in a way and I'm sure you'll talk more about this that sounds natural and doesn't sound like we're just stuffing our website with yes. keywords um, <laughs> is is there such a thing as too many there's not such a thing as too many keyword phrases but there is such a thing as overusing them on your website and I'm a little bit hesitant sometimes to mention overusing them because some pe people go kind of they want any excuse not to use them at all okay. you know like yes. it's like oh no 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 I want to I the aesthetic is more important to me but, you know, I often say that a beautiful website is all very well and good, but it just sounds like an expensive art gallery if you're not actually getting the visitors and the sales that you need to have a sustainable business. And so I'm all about, okay, are you being valuable with the use of your keywords? So you can have a great long list of keyword phrases if you've got loads of different product ranges. Heck, even if you've just got one main product that you sell and just different variations of that, there isn't really such a thing as too long a list of keywords. You just have to check using tools like Keywords Everywhere to actually see whether people are actually using them and then prioritize use of certain ones off your list. But it does also change depending on the seasons. You know, 
the markets obviously change, market demand changes, you know, I mean, heaven knows the, the sale of DIY products has shot up in pandemic times, you know, so there's all sorts of kind of trends to kind of think about and that kind of thing. But not really. No, you can have as many keywords as you like. Okay. So something else you've just highlighted there, which I hadn't really thought about, is it sounds like this isn't static. So it's not like you do some work on your SEO and then you forget about it. It's something you you need to revisit. (laughs) So how often should someone be revisiting? Um, And and I'm I'm imagining that it's not so much work to go, you know, to review your SEO and as it is to get everything in place in the first. So how often should we be sort of revisiting what we've done? Well, of course, in an ideal world, as often as everyone's checking Instagram, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's not happening, is it? (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, but the thing is, it's like with working on your SEO, you need to be working on your SEO regularly and consistently, just like you're working on your marketing consistently. And of course, that's a very ideal world scenario. But really, you need to be setting aside time every week. However, that does not mean that you have to overhaul everything every week. So with the keyword review, for example, you could be reviewing it once a quarter. So then you'd be looking at the seasons ahead. You'd have some data to look at, okay, what were people typing in? How have I been doing on the ranking? How have I been using it in my blogging, on my product pages, on the rest of my website? It's basically then you can do kind of like a review and then a plan. So I kind of like to think of things in a three-stage model, if you like. So I've got plan, create, and measure, which isn't very sexy, I know, but it's so absolutely vital to creating that sustainable model of marketing and also, you know, in, in, includes in that is your SEO um, to promote your business appropriately and successfully. And how would you review your SEO? So would you use the same keyword tools you, you use for sort of verifying coming up from new new keywords yes absolutely so what you want to do is you want to see okay how well am I doing on my keyword rankings so don't just google yourself with those phrases because google knows who we are they know they, they they stalk us and you can't do it in a private browsing tab and don't ask your husband's computer at work or anything like that there are certain apps so the app that I like to use for apple phones it's seo edge and for apple so for Android phones, it's SERP Mojo, and I'll share the links with you for the, for the show Thank notes you. as well. And basically on there, you add in all the keywords, you add in your website, and it will tell you your position on Google. So you can actually have a look at that on a monthly basis, like, okay, which keywords do I really want to get to page one for like sooner rather than later? And so therefore, I need to be using those more in the content that I put out. And then, so when you come to actually review the keyword list, like once a quarter, okay, are these working for me? Are they the most appropriate? Am I getting lots of clicks, but not conversions? That's a really important one. So looking at the thing that everyone's scared of, Google Analytics, um, and actually having a look just at the, even at that first graph, are you getting lots of clicks to your website, but actually not as many sales as you'd like? Um, and so basically this is how you begin to review your SEO. These are the kind of basics really. Thank you. And if you are getting lots of clicks, but not many sales, what do, what do you think that indicates? Well, it could indicate all sorts of different things, couldn't it? It's basically, if you're getting lots of clicks and not as many sales, maybe you're not um, communicating the message of what you're selling enough. So I've learned this the hard way for sure with, you know, selling my courses. And basically I've had, I've hired a new Facebook ads manager at the beginning of the year. And she was like, okay, we need to look at the messaging here. 
because I was like, but it's clear to me. Um, but, uh, but, it's, but essentially what was work, what was happening was I wasn't conveying the benefits sooner, soon enough, essentially. So people were clicking through going, oh yeah, blue swaddle blanket. That sounds great. And then going, actually, the, maybe the price was more than they expected. Maybe the photo, you know, there could be any kind of aspect, but that means of course, there's always work to be done on, on your website. You know, it's uh, you've always got to be tweaking, having a look, seeing what you could optimize. And I know that many people listening to this will be like, oh my goodness, I've already got a massive to-do list on my website. I want to do this, this and this. But a lot of people aren't strategic with the changes they want to make with their website and their visibility. They're like, oh, that would be nice to have rather than what's the business benefit of doing that. So essentially, there's a few kind of key aspects to have a look at with your website. Of course, there's the images, there's the wording, but, and there's obviously there's the branding. But with the wording, I think a lot of people underestimate this, particularly when it's their own business. They'll focus on the beautiful images, they'll focus on the beautiful branding. Then they'll be put off by the fact that it's quite hard work to edit your website. Then they'll be put off because actually Instagram's so much sexier. Oh, and what about Pinterest? And all these things are all very vital as well. I'm not knocking them. Lord knows I love Instagram. But the thing is, we do actually have to look at the words we're communicating with and not underestimate how persuasive they can be and how important they are when we're selling our products. Thank you. And I'd actually like to talk for a moment about, we've been talking around websites and about websites <laughs> anyway. I'd actually really like you to talk about why it's important to have your own website because many people create products and they think, well, I'm going to sell them on Etsy. I'm going to sell them on Amazon or, what, you know, any other marketplace. And all of those platforms have their own SEO built in and mm-hmm. there's various things you have to do to get found. But why do you believe it's important to have your own website, even if you intend to make most of your sales somewhere else? Well, I'm a massive fan of the, um, you might have heard of this, the old adage, know, like, and trust. Yes. I believe that having our own website shows that you are not just an established business, but that you know your stuff. And people in this day and age, people buy from people. We don't want to buy from big corporations so much anymore. I mean, apart from the ethics question, there's also just simply, we want to support small businesses more and more. We want to support independent businesses. And if you have your own website, then people have that, you know, I call it the smug factor where they're like, I didn't have to get to Amazon for this. I went and bought from a small business. Look, I'm, I'm only, I'm only shopping small this Christmas. You know, there's this kind of wonderful vibe of supporting people. So actually by you having your own website, you are only benefiting yourself by having one. You're as in, sorry, you're benefiting everyone, but you're only, it's only ever going to be um, a valuable thing in your life rather than a hindrance. Because if you're solely relying on other bigger platforms, Etsy, Amazon, eBay, whatever it is, that's fine. But then you're sort of at the whim of their algorithm as well. You constantly have to be working for them, essentially. You know, you're helping them have a big platform. And what you need to be doing is actually building up your own platform. You need to be building up your own web presence. So have your own website, have your own Instagram, have your own Pinterest, Facebook. And, you know, I was working with a lace lingerie maker who's based in Brighton. We worked together a few years ago now, and she was debating the move um, from um, Etsy because Etsy was doing so well for her and continues to do very well for her. And she was saying to me, oh, you know, do you think we need to set up our own website like properly, not just have like a one pager? 
I said 100% because up until then she'd had the Etsy shop embedded in her website. And actually what we did was we created a full e-commerce website with her so that she was like, okay, right, this is great. So, this, so she can actually work on her own SEO and have much more control. She has ownership over her website. She has control. And you know, if she upsets the Etsy algorithm for whatever reason, pray that she doesn't, but if she does, then she's got her own website doing well on SEO. That's great. Thank you. And yeah, I'm also an advocate of having your own website. I think it's really important. And, you know, there's all these other benefits. You can build your own email list. You can say what you want, pretty much. You, there are no yes. rules about how you do anything. Um, yeah, I always think it's a good idea. And we spoke a little bit earlier. You mentioned keeping your website fresh. Now, I've heard that having a blog is a good way to do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so perhaps you could um, talk a little bit around, you know, how having a blog can help your SEO. And then we can maybe go into more, some more details afterwards about what you'd actually, you know, how you'd actually go about doing that. So let's start with why do you believe having a blog is good for SEO? Well, where else are you going to tell your stories, share your expertise, share your experience? and increase that trust factor with your customers who, you know, like I was just been set, like I've just been saying, people really want to get to know us. People really want to buy from small businesses. They want to support independent brands. And this is the thing. So if, if we have a blog, this is the easiest way for people to get to know us. Yes, we've got Instagram, but again, we're at the, you know, at the whim of their algorithm. Whereas on a blog, people are like, okay, I'm kind of getting to know this person. They get to share their stories. They get to show off maybe photo shoots they were involved in or events, you know, virtual events, obviously at the moment, but events they were involved in or whatever it might be. And this is the thing. So you're, you're opening yourself up to a lot more opportunities. It goes back to that seeking exciting opportunities I was talking about at the start. I really believe that a blog is where you communicate your value. And we need to, in order to stand out, we need to communicate that value. And lots of people are like, oh, I'm not a good writer. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, it doesn't feel natural to me. But nothing did when we first started, did it? You know, my first class that I ever taught eight years ago wasn't amazing. It was okay. The audience thought it was okay. They hired me. But, you know, like it was, if you compare now and then, you know, nobody ever starts off amazing, right, at anything. And so actually just by sort of, you know, testing out different ideas, seeing what people click through to, all this kind of stuff, you can actually see what works. And actually it gives you more material for your social media because then you can say, okay, I can break down. So say, for example, you did like a how-to tutorial on your blog. You can then see if that works well, you can create a video for it. You can put the video on social media. You can also embed it in the blog post. You can, you know, if say you have like a 10 step process in that tutorial, you can share one step per day for 10 days. That's 10 days of social media content right there. That's 10 reels, you know, to use the latest trend. Um, there's all sorts of different ways that you can then use that blog content in different ways and just stir and see what works with your audience and actually make life easier for yourself. I guess it helps keep your website fresh as well. So, you know, exactly. if you're selling products, but you know, you've got the same range and everything else is pretty static, which I think websites tend to be, don't they? Well, I'm talking from my own experience now. <laughs> I, there's, there's only so often that I actually go and look at my product descriptions, for example, because they're pretty yes. good and they're nice. And yeah, I think the blog is actually the only part of the site that potentially will get updated every week or every yeah. month, yeah. Um, especially as yeah, people have got big to-do lists. Well, 
ultimately, sorry, I was just going to say, ultimately, the blog is so good for SEO because web, um, Google and other search engines like websites are regularly updated. And so a blog is the easiest way to show that your website is regularly updated. That's what it comes down to ultimately. Um, but yeah, it's obviously got all these other benefits that I'm quite passionate about sharing. <laughs> yeah, so they're all really good. But assuming that someone's main purpose of creating a blog is for SEO. So, you know, we're, we're blogging maybe around our products or around our services, in, in, you know, to try and share our expertise and share, you know, features mm. and, and things like that. How would we go about doing that? So making sure that we created blog posts that are useful but also are you know are gonna are gonna help with our seo we're gonna get people over to our site okay so the first thing is that you need to be blogging for adding value first yeah and seo second okay because basically google more and more is looking for valuable information rather than oh they put the correct keywords in so therefore they must know what they're talking about so basically you have to be sharing valuable content so question and answer format is a great format so the blog title is a question you've written a blog post as the answer how to tutorials are also brilliant different ways that you can use your products uh, things that might complement your products other businesses that you could interview that could complement your products different kind of ideas like this you could then be thinking okay i can use my keywords in different kinds of ways on these blog posts they're valuable information because I'm sharing my expertise and therefore people will hang around longer because time spent on site is also an SEO factor. That's good. Thank you. So I guess you would perhaps write your blog post, um, your, your useful blog post that adds value. So, for example, I might write something on why it's good to swaddle your baby, for example, yes. or how to swaddle your babies, maybe a better example. And then once that post was written, I could just go through and say, have I included some at least of my main keywords in this post in a way that kind of doesn't isn't jarring? Absolutely. So for every blog post, and every page of your website, you need to choose one focus keyword phrase from your list that you've brainstormed and put through the tools that I mentioned earlier. So then what you do is you go, OK, so I've got one focus. It's not to stop you mentioning any others, but at least you've then got a focus. So say, for example, it's blue swaddle blankets. Yes, let's use that example. So you would use that phrase in the title, in the first paragraph of the blog post, at least one other time in the blog post content. And then also in the bit that's called the meta description. Now, if, you, if you've um, Googled things before, presumably everyone has, then you'll see that the text that appears in Google is just like a little excerpt. It's got a title, a link, and a little excerpt of the blog post or page, right? So that's known as the meta description. So what we wanna do is we wanna get the keyword in there as well, because that also then indicates to Google and therefore to more customers what we're about. Good, thank you. I've actually just become aware of some of those things. I my blog is on WordPress, and I oh, yeah. recently installed something called Yoast, which actually prompts you to fill in all of these fields. And um, before doing that, I had no idea that's what I was meant to do. I thought I was meant to just put a few keywords in the text. But that's quite a nice. Um, if anyone else is using WordPress, I don't know what you think about that, Maddie. But I quite like the fact that it's like almost like a checklist to yes. actually put my keyword in all of the right places. Yoast is absolutely brilliant. I'm a big fan of Yoast because like you say, it's a checklist and it's got a traffic light system, red, orange and green. And so if you turn it green, you're like, yes, I've done all the things to satisfy Yoast. So therefore, I'm going to be more visible on Google. 
If it's amber, then it will give you some little alerts, the things that you need to go back through and check on either your blog post or a web page of your website, if your website is also on Google and is also on WordPress. And then if it's red, then that means you've got a few more things to change. Now, one thing that I would say there is what lots of people then come and tell me is like, oh, Maddie, I just changed the keyword so that it would turn green. I didn't actually change the content of the blog post. And so that's what you need to be careful about when you're looking at, when you're using Yoast. Yoast is a brilliant tool, but change the content of your blog post to suit the keyword phrase, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, so it's not just about making it turn green. You've actually got to do the work. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, yes. <laughs> that makes sense. So are there any other ways we can know if our websites are well optimized for SEO? So obviously if you're using WordPress, yeah, Yoast is great for making sure that your posts, your pages are well optimized is there, is there any other any other tools or things that you would recommend people take a look at if you want to know how well you're doing yeah there's there's so many tools out there on the internet to be honest but the main ones i've already mentioned so the keyword tracking apps yep. or um, seo edge and cert mojo and then there's also i mean you could use sem rush that's a brilliant uh, tool as well there's a free version of that which will take on one website and so then actually that will also highlight kind of miss you know review your website some basics essentially um obviously without wanting to pay for a fortune but essentially what you need to be doing is seeing how your seo ties in with the rest of your marketing plan and so that's what i teach essentially how it all is integrated together um, that's essentially why i created my business because what i saw was there was like all this amazing seo advice out there for people who already knew a lot about seo and so it was catering to the SEO experts. And so I saw that there was kind of this big gap of why is no one speaking like a human being here? You know, like <laughs> I find I find a lot of SEO advice boring because it's only for SEO experts. And I really like, as you probably can tell, I love talking, but I also love talking like a human being. <laughs> so that's essentially why I created my courses. <laughs> that's why you're here as well. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Because <laughs> you're making this topic really interesting. Yes. Um, <laughs> So other than text, are there any, is there anything else we can be doing on our websites to help with visibility? So I've heard, for example, that you need to be making sure your product images contain oh, yes. metadata. Could you talk a little bit to that? Because I don't really know what that means. Okay, so there's three stages to image tagging. That's what it's known as, okay? So before you load up the images to your website, you need to make sure that they're not too big. And so there's two different ways to determine the size of an image. There's the actual file size, which you can just see very easily, you know, when you click on the image. There's also the physical size of it, the height and the width. And basically what lots of people do is they get the photos, whether they've taken them themselves or whether they've got a photographer to do it. And the images are beautiful, but they're massive. They're like 3000 pixels wide, right? And actually it's not gonna be displayed like that. It's gonna be displayed like 400 pixels wide on your, um, on your website, right? So what we need to do is we need to reduce the site height and the width down. That's first of all, so that the website doesn't have to work harder than it needs to be because that slows the website down and ultimately is not good for your SEO. Then what we need to do is make sure the actual file size. So again, it's sort of like, if you think about like the, the storage space that it's requiring, we need to think about that as well. So we, you can re, um, use that, I use, um, I don't like to use, I don't use Photoshop or anything like that. I use a, a website called Tiny JPEG, and I'll also give you the link for that in the show Thank notes. You. 
So you just upload it for free. You can do up to five images at a time. And then it basically compresses the image. It's, you know, it's like when you zip a file, it's like just compressing it like that. So basically that's what you do there. And then you rename the image. And when you rename the image, it's great to get, of course, your keyword phrase in there. So let's say, for example, blue swaddle blanket for newborns. Okay, so you're really describing what the product is, or you're trying to get your keyword phrase in there in a natural kind of way. Um, don't kind of go blue comma swaddle comma blankets comma newborns comma. That's what lots of people used to do. And actually it's not natural. So therefore Google caught on to that. Google realized that that's not how people Google anymore. And essentially you rename the file and then you upload it to your website. Now, lots of people will be listening to this and going, but Maddie, I've got loads of images already on my website. Does that mean I have to go back through them all? Well, maybe, maybe the great way to check whether your website is being slowed down by your images is to go to a website called gtmetrics.com. And I'll, again, I'll share the link with you. Thank you. Basically, it will show you which images are slow, if any, are slowing down your website. It's a great way to test the speed of your website, okay? So it might be that you actually don't have even that many images on your website at this point. So you're thinking, okay, right. I've got the Im images there. What do I do if they're already loaded? And actually you can go in and add what's called alt text. And so alt text, Google loves alt text, right? Alt text is what would appear if the image didn't load for whatever reason. So Google can't read images. You know, it can't read text if you put it in on Photoshop and it's text within the image, anything like that what we need to do is actually inform Google what the image is of. So alt text is literally what the image is. So baby in blanket, you know? So it might be quite similar to what we've already named the file, but actually what we need to do is be very, very literal. You know, girl playing with ball. You know, um, I, do a, I work with a lot of wedding businesses. So it's like um, bridesmaids in gray dresses walking down aisle, you know, literally what's in the image. And then um, once you've added, so you've added it to the website page, you've added it to your blog post, you've added the alt text. And once it's published, you pin it to Pinterest. Okay, now lots of people are going, oh, I don't even know where to start with Pinterest. Or maybe you're, maybe you use Pinterest a lot. You listen. No, um, maybe, maybe when we you know, maybe you use Pinterest a lot, but not necessarily for your business. Maybe you don't know where to start. So actually a great way to do this is to set up boards with your keyword phrases for your product ranges and then pin images to your Pinterest boards in that way. And then the alt text often comes up depending on the website platform, but usually as your default caption on Pinterest. That's interesting. Thank you. And do you use your brand name in either the alt text or in the name, you know, when you're actually renaming the physical image file? Not often. Sometimes um, you can, if you like. Basically, what happens is, you know, you, you've clicked on Google Images before, right? So when you're when you're looking at Google, there's also the Images tab. And essentially, your website name will come up with that image. And then it will have like the alt text, you'll see it next to it. And sometimes it will have the brand name. But to be honest, because people aren't Googling your brand name yet, you're kind of wasting valuable real estate there. And what you want to do is you want to focus on what people are Googling. OK. Is there a character? Because you talk about the real estate. Is there a character limit for when you're there, I've, naming them? There isn't a character limit, but, you know, between 40 and 60 characters roughly. But to be honest, don't, don't panic about that because like it's always changing. So simply write what's you know focus on the content rather than 
you know, the, the specific, um, yeah, details like that, basically. That's really good to know. Thank you. And just a few final questions, if that's okay, Maddie. Sure. Um, so is it just about websites? We've obviously spoken a lot about websites today. Is it just about yes. websites or is there anything else we should be, could be doing to help ourselves and our products be more visible? So basically we need to tie it all in with how we're already promoting our businesses. Of course, social media is a thing that's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. But really what I like to say is social media is like the flyer for the gig and the website is the gig itself. So basically, you know, you want to get people in to see the act, right? You want to get people in so you can persuade them right there on your website to make more sales. Because social media, people scroll, you know, you want to catch their attention. But also you want to get more awareness from other websites. So you need to be looking at um, getting links. So you need to be getting links, maybe getting interviewed, uh, getting press features, um, getting, you know, I'll get a backlink from, from this podcast to my website, you know, looking at other websites, seeing where actually I could lend my expertise to them or, you know, I could do a collaboration with them and then I would get a link back to my website. And then basically that's how I would also increase my audience size. Perfect. Thank you. So things like guest blog posts, that kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Guest blog posts, hugely valuable. Now, am I right in thinking, this is a bit of a tangent, but I've heard something and I would like to, and I know you will know the answer. So when you were doing a guest blog post, is it correct that you can't just provide someone with a blog that you've written for your website or somewhere else and correct. say, go and use this text? <laughs> because am I writing that, um, no, I keep saying Amazon. Am I right that Google will sort of say, oh, hang on, this exact same text is in two places, three places, whatever, and that's not a good thing. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. You have to write fresh content. Yeah. Okay. It can be the same topic, but written fresh. Because Google doesn't like duplicate text. It will penalise you. Yeah. And so fresh text means complete rewrite. Does, can you um, get away with, well, I say get away with, that doesn't sound good, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Can you sort of revamp a, a blog post, um, you know, move yeah. it around a bit, change it up and... Yeah put it Absolutely. in most places yeah that's good that's good to know because I know sometimes the thought of having to write you know completely new content all the time is a bit daunting isn't it but you could sort of rework something you already have it just can't be a complete duplication absolutely yes yes okay that's good to know because I'm sure that <laughs> yeah I know guest blogging particularly is quite popular isn't it people quite like to have posts in other places but the thought of yeah. having to write something new for everyone is quite daunting absolutely yes okay yeah well, thank you. I've got one final question, if that's okay, sure. which is what is your, well, well, do you have a number one sort of top SEO tip? The one thing that you think that when someone finishes listening now, they could go off and do and it would make a, a difference. Yes, you need to set aside time in your calendar to look at this every week. Chip away at it. You can't eat a whole elephant at once. Even if you just start actioning one tip that I've mentioned today, you've done a whole lot more than otherwise ignoring it and hoping for the best. That is my number one tip. <laughs> okay, so go and get it in your calendar. Exactly. I'm a big fan of time blocking. <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. And I think you're right as well. If it's not, well, for me, certainly, if it's not in the calendar, it just isn't happening. No. <laughs> That's great. So just before we finish, Maddie, I would love to know a little bit more about what you do, how people can find you. And, um, you know, if they want to know more and perhaps work with you or look at your courses, yeah, where should they go? 
absolutely so i would love to hear from you please do come over and see me on instagram at maddie.shine where i talk a lot about motivating you to do more of this kind of work um i dance to disco tunes it's generally a good good time or had all round um, <laughs> um and also you can check out my website maddieshine.co.uk where you can check out my courses i've got a membership uh, called visibility yay for female entrepreneurs helping them get more visible and essentially you can sign up to the waiting list for the courses um but basically the doors will be opening again in the new year exciting exciting and actually this will be going out in january so perhaps you might have some space in your courses yes 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 i'll probably have a free training that you that you need to sign up uh, to by then actually. so, so yeah. depending when you're listening to this there may well be you know it sounds like there'll be lots going on whenever you're listening and um if there are yes. any trainings or anything going on we'll make sure they're linked in the show notes as well thank you yeah. so that we can send people there well thank you so much for your time I've loved talking to you you've made this potentially dry subject really interesting really actionable <laughs> and I really appreciate that thank you so much ah, no problem at all happy to help thank you so much oh you're welcome if you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.